hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, but you don't look sick. On this episode, I want to talk about how to talk to your doctor. It seems like a subject that would be common knowledge, but it definitely wasn't for me. And talking to so many cancer patients and survivors and even doctors themselves, I now know that it's it's not something that is always talked about and um, it is a relationship and a conversation that needs to be had. So let's have it. Um, as I said in previous episodes, I never went to the doctor before getting diagnosed with cancer. Like it had to be something that was just like a super emergency Um, something that had to be going on for a very long time (laughs) and then it would make me go to the doctor, but I was never one to like, I would miss routine checkups all the time. Um, not like my women's, like I would go yearly for my women's well visit or something, but like other than that, I was not going in to do anything. I can tell you right now that like my dentist is definitely somebody who I don't see as often as I should. I take my kids every six months for their cleaning, but I'm kind of like for myself, ah, I'm fine. Um, so I'm just not one that wants to go to the doctor. I don't want to sit there. I'm always in a rush. And that completely changed obviously when it came to cancer and being able to find doctors and have a relationship with them and talk to them openly, comfortably voice my concerns. That all didn't happen right away. And the first doctors that I was with, um, I hated. That's why I found the team of doctors on my own that I'm currently with and that I love and I'm loyal to, and I will just like follow them over a cliff. Um, but the first doctors that I talked to, they all, it all sent red flags to me and I didn't you know, I, I thought that that was normal. I just kind of thought that, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just the the situation that's stressful and it's not really the doctors, but you know, my family was like pressing me to, you know, follow my intuition. And with the first doctors that I met with, I didn't, I, I liked my radiologist who did, um, my initial imaging and biopsies, except for the fact that, when he sent those biopsies away, I was told that I had to wait 10 to 14 days. And now I went to a military hospital. Um, I have many feelings about that situation in itself. I don't know if I'm at the point where I'd want to voice those concerns, um, openly, I guess, but, or maybe I am, I don't know. Um, I just, that's, I don't know, that's not the place for breast cancer patients. I don't feel that the military hospitals have the resources to get, um, or at least the military hospital I did, they didn't have a pathologist there. So they sent my imaging or they sent my biopsies out. And so it really, it really wasn't the radiologist's fault that that happened. Um, you know, he was just following protocol. He was just, he said, you know, it says it takes 10 to 14 business days to get these results back. Um, when they came back the first time inconclusive because the sample was damaged in transit, um, you can understand where myself and my family were going, okay, who are we dealing with here? Like what in the world is happening when it happened a second time? I kind of felt like I'm going to die. I'm going to die if I don't get away from these doctors. Like this is insane. I also met with a breast surgeon, like I said in past episodes, who he wanted to do surgery immediately. This was before we ever got any 
pathology results back. Um, you know, they kept saying based off of imaging that yes, it looks like cancer, but we didn't know if I was HER2 positive. We didn't know if I was ER, PR positive, but he wanted to do surgery first. If you're ER, PR, and HER2 positive, surgery first is not the option. You're going to hit it with chemo first um, because HER2 positive means that it's an aggressive form of cancer. So that sent red flags to me because I had been researching, um, you know, and reading and reading forums and trying to gather information to see what was the best course of action. And so for him to be sitting there adamantly telling me that this is what we were going to do and me asking for second opinions and him getting very angry and defensive over that, that's a red flag. Like that's a huge red flag. Um, but me, you know, being in this vulnerable position where I'm like, okay, they're about to tell me I have cancer or they're, they're taking the steps to, um, come up with a treatment plan. Like, you know, I didn't know how to feel. I didn't have anyone around me really advocating for me. I was on my own in these doctor's appointments. Chris was in the military. We had just moved. We didn't have a babysitter. So I was, I mean, I went to every biopsy by myself, drove myself there and drove myself home. So, you know, I didn't know really like the magnitude of everything. It was all so stressful. It was hitting me all at once. I was overwhelmed, but I had this sick feeling every time I would go home and I would tell Chris, like, these are not the people I want to be around. I don't, I'm, I never want to go back and see that surgeon again, you know, and Chris was very supportive and said, okay, we've got to find somebody else. We have to figure something out. And so we really researched until we found the team of doctors that I'm currently with. And from that first moment walking in and getting diagnosed with them, I had a sense of calm. I had a sense of peace and I almost had like this sense of home, like, okay, these people are going to take care of me just by the way that they talked to me. Um, they were very informative. Um, they weren't rushed. And if you, if you've ever gone and talked to a surgeon, they always feel like they're rushed. Like, you know, that they're always, they don't, they're not social creatures by nature. So they don't want to sit down and talk to you. But the fact that, you know, my surgeon sat there and really did talk to us and was asking us about our kids and asking us like, just asking us all these other questions, it made me feel so comfortable. But on the other side of that, he was just throwing so much medical terminology and everything at us that we were completely overwhelmed. Like we didn't, I mean, they send you home with pamphlets and this and that, but you're still sitting there like, I don't know what you just said. If you can gather from my personality at all from this podcast, I'm not one to kind of just sit there and be like, oh, okay. Like, no, the way that I talk on this podcast is the way that I talk to my doctors. It's basically the way that I talk to everyone. Um, so I remember sitting there telling the breast surgeon, like, I have no idea what you're saying. I need you to like dumb this down for me. Like you need to put this in like kindergarten terms so that I can understand. I don't understand. You're telling me I have a spot on my liver? Like wh what? So, I mean, that's how I always talk to them. And you know, doctors, they see so many patients and they deal with so many cases that they don't let emotions get involved at all, um, which is what they're supposed to do. That's how they function. But for me, I'm just, I'm all about emotions. Like I'm all about 
breaking down those walls and building those connections. And I had to do that with my doctors, even though as much of a struggle as it was, and it was like a, a constant, like I'm, I will, I'm going to break this down. I'm going to make you laugh. I'm going to make you smile. I'm going to run up and I'm going to give you a huge hug. I'm going to dance and sing in your office. And I don't care if you think I'm crazy, but this is just how I am. And by me being that way, I now have such a different relationship with my doctors than I think other patients have with them. Um, which is not like to say that, oh, I'm like such a good patient or something. No, I just knew how I had to communicate with them. And I explained to them how they in turn needed to communicate with me. And that's how we've built this relationship. Now, every single person is different. The way that you receive information is different. The type of, you know, the type of communication and relationship that you need from somebody is different than what I need. Um, and that's really that's really kind of like what you have to cultivate when you are with your doctor. You have to tell them, you need to tell them your needs. And if you can't do that directly with your doctor, you need to do that with their PA or you need to do that with your nurse navigator. You need to find somebody that essentially speaks your language um, throughout this process. That's your person that you can go to and voice all of your concerns or you call for questions. Um or that just gives you that peace of mind over and over and over again. Um, so if you can't talk openly and you feel that your doctors are not being receptive to your concerns um, and that you're basically just taking a huge leap of faith with your life, then you need to switch doctors. And I don't say that like so off the cuff, like, oh, just find a new doctor because it's so easy. No, not everybody is in a situation or lives in a place where they just have so many, you know, options when it comes to breast cancer doctors. But I would definitely advise, you know, second opinions. That's the first thing. You don't have to just go off of one person's or one doctor's opinions because they have an MD after their name or they have their diplomas hung up all over their office. Like that doesn't qualify them to take care of you. You need to make sure that you're with somebody who makes you feel comfortable and makes you feel not so scared. This is an entirely terrifying situation. And that's what I felt. Every time I was with my doctors, I felt like I left the room a little less scared. Even though when I, maybe when I got home, I was like having a panic attack. Like, what did they say? What does that mean? Can you look up that statistic? But when initially in the office, I always felt like I was coming away with a sense of action. Like we had a plan, like things are working, even when they didn't necessarily work. I always felt like there was a plan or a step, or they really cared about what was happening mentally to me, not just physically. You know, that's, that's one thing. The first thing you need to do is definitely seek a second opinion if you can. And your doctors should offer that knowledge to you to tell you that this is what they think. This is what they see. This is what the diagnosis that they've come up with, but you're more than welcome to get a second opinion. And they should offer that to you with open arms because they should want you to have that peace of mind. If you bring up a second opinion to your doctor, and that could be your oncologist, that could be your breast surgeon, that could be your radiologist, that could be whoever, and they 
are not going for it, eh, that's that's a little worrisome. So that's like, you know, like thing, thing number one. I don't know if these are like steps. I'll probably say step number one like 40 times, but let's just, well, thing number one. The other thing, oh, I'm going to say thing so many times, is tell your doctors everything. Even if you think that it has no bearing on cancer, tell them. Um, I had no idea that I was having blood clots. I didn't even think that was something to be brought up because I was like, oh, I had a blood clot in my leg like a year ago, but no one diagnosed it as a blood clot. They, at the ER, they just told me, and this is very true, that it looked like a house episode because they had never seen somebody have a blood clot like right above their knee. And they sent me home. They didn't do any testing. They didn't do anything. That was a year before I was diagnosed with cancer. And if you remember in episode one, a blood clot in my same leg in the same spot is what brought me to the ER the day before I found, or the day I found my lump, uh, cause I found my lump in the middle of the night. But so, I mean, there were all these weird things happening and I didn't, I, I never thought that they were all correlated. I'm also not a doctor. So <laughs> You have to tell them everything. Tell them everything about your pregnancies. Tell them everything about your history. Tell them exactly how much you drink alcohol. Tell them if you smoke. Tell them, I mean, tell them everything. How many times you sneeze in the middle of the night? Like, who knows? But you need to be so open because not telling them even the smallest detail can be especially harmful when you're going through a cancer diagnosis and they're about to pump you full of a lot of drugs. They're going to give you antibiotics. You're going to be having surgeries. Um, so they need to know even just the slightest detail, even if it comes down to like your oral health, you need to tell them. And by not telling them, you know, they're not psychic, they're doctors. So if you don't tell them things, they can't, you know, they can't read your mind. They can't know this about you um, if you're not giving up the information. So spill it, spill it all. It doesn't matter if it's embarrassing. It doesn't matter if, you know, you're fearful of telling someone, you need to tell them everything. My nurse navigator is definitely somebody that I feel so comfortable and close with that I could just text her something right now and be like, hey, can you tell Dr. So-and-so this? Um, because your doctors, they should be communicating with one another as well. And I don't know, I don't necessarily know if that is, you know, the case for everyone. I just know that my doctors met once a week and they would conference on the cases that they had together. So I knew that my radiologist was talking to my oncologist, who was talking to my breast surgeon, who was talking to my liver specialist, and my nurse navigator was sitting in there, and so was my PA. So I know that they were all on the same page, and they would express that to me. You know, if I saw my oncologist and I didn't see my breast surgeon, he would say, well, yes, I just saw Dr. You know, Usher and we talked about this. So, I mean, I, I knew that they were all on the same page, which I felt was like, oh, like I don't have to repeat myself or, you know, they kind of all knew what was going on. And my cancer treatment center is connected to the hospital that I go to. So their system is all connected. So like if I went to the ER on a Friday night, they could all pull that up at the same time. So I felt like that really helped with communication for me and my case. Um, 
your, but also, you know, your needs are going to be different than my needs. I didn't really need anyone telling me that everything was going to be okay. Or I didn't really need, I didn't need comfort or coddling or anything like that. I was more like, I'm just like a straight shooter. I'm like, just tell me the fucking truth and that's it. I don't need to run around. I don't need to know that, you know, like whatever. You're just, just tell me exactly what we're doing. I don't care if like people, like some people may think that the way that I talk to people is really direct and, you know, borderline crass, but that's just the, like, I just tell the honest truth. I just, and there's usually a lot of sarcasm involved, but that's the way I talk to my doctors. And that's the way I wanted my doctors to talk to me. Like, just tell me everything straight up. Don't, you know, don't sugarcoat anything. And, but that's how I want, wanted to be communicated to. And that's what I told them, but your needs may be different and you need to be able to express those and say to your doctor, no, I need more information. Or can you please give me, you know, a handout with these things written down? Or can somebody email me, you know, resources or those types of things? Like you need to be able to ask your doctor or nurses, um, for the things that are going to give you peace of mind. So you come away with appointments, you know, with a sense of calm and relief because stress does nothing for anyone in this situation. So if you're leaving doctor's appointments, even more stressful than the situation of cancer already is that that's not so good. So, and this can, this doesn't just go for cancer. I don't think, I mean, when you're pregnant, I feel like you need to have a really good relationship with your OBGYN. Um, I had three different OBGYNs because we moved so much. Not one of them ever made it actually to the delivery room. Um, but I felt like I needed to have a really good relationship with each of them. I remember, you know, trying to find an OBGYN when I was pregnant with Ace. He was my first. And I went to three different doctors before I settled on the one, um, that I liked. And, because I was like, uh, nope, I don't get a good vibe in this office. Nope. I, I mean, cause you're, you're very open with everything. Um, and it's the same with cancer. It's the same with any type of illness where you're going back and you're seeing the same people all the time. You need to be able to have the best relationship possible and an ongoing relationship with them. And if you feel like they are not meeting your needs, you need to seek out someone else in order for them to help you. This also goes back to getting a second opinion. I don't know why I feel like this is so huge. I feel like it's just because I was so jaded from the first breast surgeon that I had seen and he got just so defensive and he just sat back in his chair and he crossed his arms and his whole body language was just like on the defense. And I was thinking, what in the world? Like, why is he getting angry at me for asking for a second opinion? But you should never feel bad about that as the patient. Even if it's like a family friend that you're seeing, a family, you know, a doctor that's that your family's seen for years, you should still be able to ask for a second opinion and you should there should be no fear in that. You should not feel guilty for doing that. Um, you should feel empowered and you should feel confident and your doctor should support that. So, I mean, I'm sorry I'm like reiterating that, but that's just huge to me. <laughs> Going through this process, I feel like and just as a patient in general, you need to remember that you are the one in control of this situation. Yes, you're going to the medical 
experts, but it's still you and your body. You have to live with the decisions that you're making. And your doctors are there to help you and guide you and give you the best treatment and knowledge available to them. But at the end of the day, it's still your body, your treatment plan, and your life at risk. You need to make sure that you're okay with all of the decisions that are being made and that you've been given enough knowledge, knowledge is power here, people, to make the right decision. So, you know, if you want a mastectomy, but your doctor is saying that, oh no, we're only going to do a lumpectomy, but you know, in your heart, like you just can't sleep at night. You know, you want not even a bilateral, just a single mastectomy on your affected breast. You need to push for that. And you need to be able to say that psychologically it's affecting you and you want that mastectomy. If you want to try alternative treatments you know, I'm not advocating for anything. I'm just saying that if you want to try something else or if you had a bad reaction to a drug and you don't want to try it again, you are the one who controls that situation. Um, That just takes me back to deciding whether or not to do the axillary node dissection. And that ball was really in my court. And they were telling me that, you know, like you can do the extra radiation. You can go into a clinical trial and flip a coin and see what you get, or you can just do the surgery. And I really, you know, I didn't know how I felt and research wasn't cut and dry for my situation. And I knew that, and now, you know, almost a year later from that surgery, I'm so happy I had that surgery done. I just have so much more peace of mind. I just don't think about lymph nodes or anything like that. And I don't know necessarily, like if microscopically cancer had spread, I have no idea. But the fact that there was a lymph node infected in my armpit, I was like, no way in hell are we just going to take our chances with radiation. That's how I felt. And so I needed to come away from that situation feeling like I was in control and that I had made the best decision for me mentally and physically. And that's how I feel a year later. The same with the drugs that you're on. I mean, when they gave me that flipping new Lasta shot and I felt like I was going to die being rushed to the emergency room, you know, I was just, I was so dehydrated. I was having horrible side effects. I was just everything with that drug. I went into that office the next day and said, I am not taking this again. You will not give me new Lasta again. I respectfully fucking decline this drug. And they were like, okay, well then you're going to get the Neupogen shots and hopefully you won't have a reaction to that. But there's always an alternative. I feel like maybe not with some things, but with others, you know, if you're having a bad reaction to a hormone medication, more than likely there's another alternative and you should be able to voice your opinion on that. So I really feel like, you know, being, being able to ask the tough questions, I always came back with research. I always came back in and said, well, there was this study that I read that was done in, you know, 2000, whatever, and I would print it out and Chris would highlight it. I mean, we got crazy. And I would go in and say, you know, where does this, where does this come into play? How is this affecting my diagnosis? What does this mean for the future of breast cancer? Even if I sounded like a crazy person and my doctors were thinking like, who is this woman? Like, she's coming in here telling me? that she printed off studies, (laughs) like, 
but they were never you know, they were never defensive. They were always very receptive to the information. And many times they told me, listen, go to this website or go check out, you know, go check out this information or this study or this clinical trial. And they always were really good about fueling my need for science-based knowledge. Um, So I feel like if you're like that, do those things. Chris was also such a good resource to me going through cancer and still is because he likes to dive into research. He likes to find out things. He's like a little behind the scenes detective. So I felt like having him as my caregiver and somebody that was at appointments with me and everything that he really, he was there taking notes. He was able to ask questions that I couldn't even think of, especially during chemo and surgery because I was just so out of it. Um, you know, he was really on top of everything. He had a notebook that he came with to every appointment um, once I was formally diagnosed. And he kept that notebook with questions and answers and resources and phone numbers to people. And, you know, he would always ask for copies of paperwork when we left so that we had them at home that we could reference to. Um, so taking somebody with you to appointments that you trust, it doesn't always have to be the same person, but that somebody that knows your needs and can kind of speak for you and advocate for you. I feel like that's really important as well. When you're asking questions to your doctor, you need to make sure that you're getting the answers that you want. I always felt like I just had to keep asking questions until I was satisfied. And, you know, I bet I was just so annoying in the beginning to my doctors. They were probably like, oh no, not her again, because I just kept asking questions. Um, But I feel like, you know, in this situation, you go home. I feel like you go home and you're like, what if? Or, you know, I need to know this. Um, So just having those open lines of communication with your doctors, with your nurses, uh, it's just so important. And then finding resources outside of that, being able to have a support group or women that you can talk to that are in your same position that you know, you can say I'm on this drug and you're on this drug. There's tons of like Facebook groups for certain drugs. Um, there's also the breast cancer Healthline app, which I love because there's so many discussions going on in there and so many women currently going through what you're going through and you can talk to them in real time and message them. Or when they have the live chats, you can talk and say that, you know, like I just had my second round of chemo and these are the side effects that I'm having. Is anybody else having these side effects? And, you know, what are you doing about the mouth sores? Or you can really find resources that can help you and that can only support you more in the situation. And I feel like, you know, once you leave that doctor's appointment, you're kind of like waiting for the next one. So to be able to find people around you who know what you're going through um, and sometimes that are even going to your same doctors, I feel like that, that, that can just be so much of an asset to you while going through this. So I feel like if you're in the situation right now where you're about to be diagnosed, um, or you're going through the motions, if you don't feel that you're with the right team of people, you need to speak up because there might even be a doctor within that office that can better serve you and, or within the hospital that you're going to. 
you know, if you feel more comfortable with a female breast surgeon or a female oncologist or something like that, speak up, speak to somebody within your breast cancer community, find resources or your nurse navigator and say, Hey, for me, I need this. And everyone should be receptive of that. You are the patient. You are the one being affected the most throughout all of this. And so you really need to be able to have that peace of mind. You need to be able to sleep at night as best as you possibly can, you know, with the insomnia and the hot flashes and the drugs and the side effects and everything else. I guess try and sleep. (laughs) But no, really, like you should communicating with your doctors is something that is extremely important. You should feel at any point that you can call the nurse's line at any of your doctor's offices and voice your concerns, get in touch with somebody about anything, whether that's pain, side effects, you know, or even if it's just questions that you need answered to refill a prescription to whatever it is, you should feel like you can can get the help that you need. You're not a hypochondriac for going into them and saying, my eye is twitching <laughs> um, or my lower back hurts or asking for a scan because you're worried of an ongoing side effect. You should be able to do those types of things. So hopefully, you know, this just reaffirms your power in this situation, even though you feel powerless to being diagnosed You didn't have a choice in getting diagnosed with breast cancer, but you do have a choice in the care that you receive and how you receive it. So hopefully this is just a reminder that, you know, you need to advocate for yourself, your own health. And that is not just physically, but that is also mentally as well. And that doesn't just go for cancer. That goes for anybody dealing with any type of health issues. Um, You know, make sure that your concerns are heard and that your voice is heard in that you're able to feel comfortable and confident in the decisions that you're making about your own life. So just a quick episode this week, but thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Next week, we're going to have a guest on the podcast that I'm very excited about. So you're not going to want to miss that one. (music)